Hey, everybody. This is Brian Dodd welcoming you back to the Pursuit of Service podcast. Uh, we're going to get to learn a lot from my co-host, Jeff Wright, today. Here's the thing. Jeff is going to really dig deep into what I would call advanced leadership concepts. So if you're a rookie leader or something of that nature, um, this this may be, frankly, I don't want to say over your head, but definitely new information and definitely something you want to put in your toolbox because this is how great leaders and experienced leaders think. This is how they evaluate. This is how they coach people. Uh, this is this is how they evaluate their organizations. And this is what mature leadership looks like. So get back, you know, however you take notes, you're going to want to take notes on this one. And we're going to get to learn from Jeff on a concept called a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. So once again, get ready to learn. Uh, this, this is for mature leaders and leaders who want to really accomplish things. This podcast for you to get back. You're going to enjoy it. Hey, Brian. Nice to see Jeff. you. Jeff, great to see you, my friend. Summer's about to end here very soon. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it, but that's the, I guess that's the cycle when you live in Georgia, so. Yeah, it's it's three weeks of spring, three weeks of fall, a yep. mild winter, and this miserable heat and humidity, so we're we're in yeah. the midst of that, so. Thank goodness for, for swimming pools. We've spent a good amount of time at the neighborhood pool and uh, of course, of course, my kids are young, so they'll be going back to school soon, which will be good for everyone's routine and all that. So, well, I got to spend four hundred seventy-five dollars on a new capacitor for my air conditioner. Mm, so, yikes! Didn't have that in the budget, but that's the way it goes. Yeah. Well, you have to have an air conditioner in Georgia in the summer. That's right. That's essential equipment. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, Jeff, I tell you what, I said it on the intro. Um, you know, th this lesson is really, I mean, this is going to be a meaty lesson. You know, this is not fluff leadership we get today. I mean, if you're leading at the highest levels, regardless of the size of your organization or regardless of your, you know, this falls under self-leadership as well. But this is, you know, this is mature leadership right here. So fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. First of all, before you dive into what's the differences, and I'll obviously ask you questions along the way, but before you dive into what is a growth mindset, what's a fixed mindset, what's the differences, how'd you get interested in the topic? Great question. Uh, I was listening to a podcast recently, um, and it was a guy by a PhD named Andrew Huberman, and it's a health and wellness podcast. So he's, he's a professor at Stanford, and he talks a lot about you know, fitness and nutrition and, um, you know, even neurology and biology, just an overall kind of wellness from a very scientific uh, perspective. And he talked about growth mindset recently, um, and he talked about it very deeply from a psychological, meaning a, a true psychology perspective, sure. but it just got me thinking about how applicable it is. And so, you know, when I was 
thinking about this conversation, I was going to come up with a couple of different mindsets that we could apply to leadership. And then I just went down a rabbit hole of researching just this one um, and how applicable and how deep and how thorough just this one uh, is. Uh, it was pretty fascinating to me. So this one's going to be a little geeky. I'm even going to reference a couple of uh, scientific studies that have been done. And for the listeners, I will uh, post the articles in the show notes. So yep. the, the articles that I reference, you'll you'll see those there. Um, but yeah, this gets really deep from a psychological perspective, and then obviously very practical and applicable for us to to use. So it's it's geeky and deep. I think it's easier to understand, but the science is just fascinating, and that just lends itself to really uh, believing in what we're what we're applying, knowing that it'll work from a scientific and not just um, you know not just a, a an empirical perspective. Okay. All right. Well, I know, you know, let's just dive right in because, I mean, we got a lot of content to cover. Just when you look at a growth mindset and a fixed mindset, go ahead and explain what they are and what the differences is, and then we'll get into some application. Yeah, sure. Uh, so we're not talking about growth mindset, like not just abundance mindset, right? So a lot of people think of growth mindset as but what they're really thinking is abundance mindset, which means that, hey, that we can grow the pie, there's enough to go around, we can win-win in a negotiation, that sort of thing. That's that's a little bit different. So what we're talking about here with growth mindset uh, basically is the idea or the philosophy that we can continually improve. Now, okay. the corollary to that is the fixed mindset, uh, which is the belief or philosophy that ability or intelligence or maybe skill or even talent is a fixed trait. So the way that the way that shows itself practically is with a fixed mindset, someone thinks I am smart. It's something about me. It's an adjective. It's a characteristic that's innate to my identity. I am athletic. I am a good leader. I am intelligent. Whereas a growth mindset is, hey, I can work on that and become. My effort allows me to become. And things like that. So here are just just a couple of uh, differences that show up through different perspectives that you think of. All right. So with a fixed mindset, uh, it's focused on uh, person praise. Okay, convey success due to someone's ability. Versus growth mindset is process praise. And we'll talk more about this one. This is really important. Conveys success due to the effort that is put in. Um, behavioral response to academic setbacks. In a fixed mindset, if something happens. You know, unfavorable, you get a setback, you fail a test, whatever it is, you feel helpless. It's a sign that you don't have what it takes. Whereas with a growth, growth mindset, uh, a setback is a sign that you need to work harder or try a new st strategy, which then uh, develops resilience. What's the meaning of failure? In a fixed mindset, failure is the end of the story. Time to give up. I failed. Mm -hmm. It's over. That, that part about me and my identity failed. Whereas with the growth mindset, failure is just the beginning of the story. It's time to try again. We can look at what we can learn to improve and all that sort of thing. Um, so, so what does all this mean? At its core, uh, we've heard performance experts say that we should always focus on the journey and the process and not the not the destination, right? That's the same sort of idea. Um, and so let me pause there, see if you have any thoughts about any of that before I get into the, the actual scientific evidence behind it. No, not, you know, I just, uh, you know, as a parent, you know, you always hear something like this. 
uh, well, I'm just bad at math. Well, who's, who said, I, Anna used to say that. I'm like, well, who said that? I didn't say that. You know, <laughs> I mean, that, that, yeah. that is a fixed mindset, you know, when, when you're in parenting, I don't know what channel it is. You know, I bring up my Amazon fire stick and either Amazon or Netflix or one of them has this program called the summer I became pretty, you know, well, who said you were ugly? Yeah. Well, for that matter, who said you were pretty? I mean, you know, those are fixed mindsets. And what I learned about that, Jeff, on the learning mindset, the growth mindset, um, you know, before we start getting into scientific data and all that, everybody should have a growth mindset. Growth is the only assurance that tomorrow will be better than today. Yeah. Yep. That's the only that's the only assurance that I'm learning. I'm getting better. Things are going to improve. You, you know, I'm working hard. That's going to show up. I'm already a success. It just hadn't showed up yet because I put in the effort. I've done the sowing. I've done the reaping. You know, the harvest yeah. will be coming. So, yeah, I you know, I, I totally agree with these mentalities. And before we get into, I think one final thing, there was a great discussion in the NBA playoffs where the Milwaukee Bucks, who were the number one seed in the East, got bounced in their first round by the Heat. Mm -hmm. And they asked Giannis if the season was a failure. Giannis Antetokounmpo. And he did an unbelievable master class in his news conference on steps to success. Mm -hmm. And it's only a failure if you didn't learn from it and take steps towards success in the future. That's a growth mindset. That's a learning mindset so with that being said yeah i mean those are intuitive theoretical things that i just said but it's supported by data so give us the data yeah and you mentioned parents uh, parenting a second ago and we're going to talk about leadership and how it can apply to our leadership and our teams and our organizations but this has been shown study after study to be uh very effective in parenting too meaning let's not praise our kids for making the team or making the grade or making, you know, making the shot, let's praise them for the effort that they put in there. Um, and that actually contributes to their performance in the future. And, and here are a couple of examples here. Ultimately, what we're talking about is the feedback. That's what we've sort of hinted at in the, in the feedback to, okay, when something happens, are we providing feedback to the result or are we providing feedback to the effort and feedback to the effort is the growth mindset. Um, so there was a study in the American Psychological Association uh, Journal. This is back in 1998. Um, it's The title of the article is called Praise for Intelligence Can Undermine Children's Motivation and Performance. And so what they did was they took a, a couple of sets of kids um, and gave them a bunch of questions and then gave them feedback as to, hey, you did a great job answering the questions. You got them all right. And then other another group, they gave feedback as to, hey, you did a great job problem solving and working hard and being resilient and things like that. Um, and what they showed was that in subsequent trials of these students, the ones that got the effort praise actually performed better. The ones that got the identity praise um, or the intelligence feedback is what it's called, kind of performed about the same. And then they even realized that in those situations, if that student performed less, you know, kind of declined in performance, they actually lied about it to keep it up into what they felt that they were by identity. So it's pretty dangerous. And here's, here's a quote from that article. 
Praise for ability is commonly considered to have beneficial effects on motivation. Contrary to this popular belief, six studies demonstrated that praise for intelligence had more negative consequences for students' achievement motivation than praise for effort. Fifth graders' praise for intelligence were found to care more about performance goals relative to learning goals than children praised for effort. After failure, they also displayed less task persistence, less task enjoyment, more low ability attributions, and worse task performances than children praise for effort. Finally, children's praise for intelligence described it as a fixed trait more than children praise for hard work who believed it to be a subject of improvement. So the bottom line here is that we, you know, we think of, uh, hey, you're so great as motivating, but as it plays out in real life, praising the effort is, is what gets us there. Here's another one. This is from the Oxford Academic. Uh, this is from 2006, and the, the title is, Why Do Beliefs About Intelligence Influence Learning Success? A Social Cognitive Neuroscience Model. So this one gets real geeky, but here's just a quote. Here's just a hey, quote. Hey, you're, you're quoting what, Cornell, did you say? No, this one's Oxford. Oxford, I'm so yeah. sorry. Look, yep. we're about to get smarter, so here yeah. we go. I got one from Harvard Business Review, too. That, that'll be towards the end, though. Okay, so why do beliefs about intelligence influence learning success? A social cognitive neuroscience model. One quote here said that those who believe intelligence is a fixed entity – entity theorists, or this is what we call a fixed mindset or, you know, based on intelligence feedback, tend to emphasize performance goals, leaving them vulnerable to negative feedback and likely to disengage from challenging learning opportunities. In other words, if my identity is tied to success, I'm going to try the less hard things. I'm not going to try the hard things where I have a greater chance of failure because my whole identity is, is tied around it. In contrast, students who believe intelligence is malleable incremental theorists or based on uh, effort feedback or what we call growth mindset here, they tend to emphasize learning goals and rebound better from occasional failures. So, this, I mean, th these are, this is the science, this is the studies, both neuroscience and through, you know, trial experimentation that empirically suggests that introducing that feedback into the effort and the process um, is going to be more effective in future performance and motivation than simply tying it to the outcome itself. Okay. So uh, let me ask you an obvious question. Excuse me. Let me ask you an obvious question and get your thoughts. How do you know somebody gave their best effort? If you're going to praise the effort, how do you know they really gave great effort? What a, what a great question. I think you have to know the person and kind of see it, right? So once you know someone for a while and you see their performance and effort on a daily basis over time, you can you can kind of tell. So that's what I would say. What what would you say to that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's perfect. I mean, you've got to you've got to watch them and learn their capacity, and you know, learn what they what their I'll call it output proficiency is. Mm -hmm. You know, I totally agree with you on that. Um, you know, so the interesting thing is, let's say, you know, it's funny, you can get a good result, but put in bad effort. Yes. And, you know, like, let's say your threshold for success is you want to get a B on something. 
Okay. Uh, I could have just winged it mm-hmm. and made an 81. That is not something I should be praised for. Yeah. I achieved yeah. the res- I achieved the result, but I put in minimal effort. You know, and so yeah, I I, I agree with you. You want to judge the effort, not the result. Um, absolutely, and but understanding what quality effort looks like, I think is yeah. is critical to success in that area. So. Yeah. That's great. So let's let's dive into that into the application. Um, yeah. And so here are three applications that we can actually take, um, learning what we just discussed and and apply it to real life. Um, so the first, you know, generally speaking, we need to actually focus on the process and the effort with you know when we're in the evaluation mode. Um, I would say as a leader, we even need to focus on the process and the effort when we cast vision and we define success. You know, our definition of success will be to make the most honest, integrity-based, you know, decisions out there, regardless of the outcome. And we'll talk about the disconnect between um, process and and outcome here in a few minutes. But the first main application for leaders is self-evaluation. All right. So for instance, for areas where we struggle, we need to evaluate the effort that we're putting into that area and not just the skill itself. So for example... Someone might say, hey, I'm a terrible speller or I can't write. I have, I have a ton of typos. I'm just, I just don't have that gift. That may be true, but the evaluation should be how much effort and work and practice are you putting into improving that? Because if you're not, then you're not going to get better. But if you are, then you will improve in that area. And therefore, it's not fixed to your identity. So you don't have to you know, consider yourself a terrible writer or whatever the case is. So if you're not in, putting deliberate intentionality and effort into improving something, well, what if you did? We tend to do more of what we're good at, you know, and practice that more, which makes us better. And then we do more of it, which makes us practice. And we practice more, which makes us better. There's a a cycle and it creates, you know, positive feedback, which is great. We should harvest our strengths, but whether it's a strength or or weakness, our self-evaluation process should be, Hey, in a given area, Am I actually practicing to improve? This applies again, back to the strengths. You know, if someone's good at sales and they can just kind of walk into a room and work the room and, and that sort of thing, then great. But there's always room to improve. What are they practicing? What negotiation classes are they taking where they're learning new linguistic, uh, you know, tactics and strategies and who are they practicing on to hone that skill and to know how to use different tools So the first one, self-evaluation, we should evaluate um, in ourselves what we're working on to improve our skills. Jeff, I I hope the listeners really understand the importance of what you just said, okay? A couple of things. One, it's hard to question somebody's effort because no one wants to be called lazy or or you, you just give me you know, half backside work, mm-hmm. you know, yep. that, that is a tough, that is tough feedback to hear. Okay. It's tough for somebody to go, Brian, look, you know it, I know it, but I got to say it. You gave me about 50% on that one. Right. I mean, that, 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 that's a tough message to hear. So in terms of a growth mindset and self-evaluation first, that protects you from that conversation. Mm-hmm. 
if you're already, if you're putting in the 100% and you know it's the 100%, you've a self-evaluated, this is everything I got, I left it all on the field, then that'll protect, you, you won't have that conversation. And you're right. I mean, I live in two worlds. I live in a world of sales and I live in a world of ministry. Okay. And yeah, I can, as a sales guy, oh yeah, I got this one in the bag. Mm -hmm. And I didn't prepare. I didn't do the study. I didn't do the details. And it's the minor little things that'll trip you up. Yeah. And, you know, I deal with pastors. They are professional communicators. They can talk 30 or 40 minutes about anything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have you have to work with them and no, you just can't get up there and talk 30, 40 minutes about anything, you know, and and you're you're so right on this. And whatever industry you're in, who's listening to this, you will become, quote unquote, a master of your craft after a certain while. You cannot wing it. Yeah. You you have to self-evaluate and put in the effort needed for success because, Jeff, you, you are so spot on. Things always change. The market changes. The needs of the customers change. The communication strategy changes. Technology changes. You have to be in a growth mindset no matter how long you've been doing something or how skilled you are at it. So great, great point so great application all right what other applications you got so the first one is self-evaluation the second one is going to be for evaluating team members and for this one i would say make sure that we're adequately praising and rewarding the effort and not just the results yes we want to celebrate the actual wins and things like that but we really need to focus on that effort um, that people are making in what they're trying to do so for example hey great job I can tell how hard you worked to learn this new skill or process that you worked on. I can tell you put in a lot of effort into this, even with my lack of detailed guidance. Hey, great job. Even if it didn't work out, hey, we came up short this time. Here's what we can improve. But the analysis that you did and the effort that you put in the late night hours that you spend, that's going to be conducive for success in the future, regardless of this particular outcome. So those type of things are going to do exactly what these two studies showed. And that's going to build confidence, build resilience, build motivation for those folks that are working hard for and with you to continue to do so. Yeah, I have absolutely nothing to add to that. That's that's genius. I would just tell everybody, rewind this 30 seconds and listen to what Jeff just said. I have nothing to add to that. That's a That's a drop the mic session right there and the third one and the third one uh so if the first one was evaluating ourselves and the second is our team members the third is our organization evaluate the process is the process that we went through as a team to produce whatever product or service or deliverable we have uh did that accomplish what we wanted to from an output perspective again set the results aside for just a second so for example decision making process we live in an imperfect world. There's no such thing as knowing all the details and knowing the future of what's going to happen. So there is empirically and inevitably a disconnect between making a decision and the favorable outcome that we were seeking. The example I use is in my industry with, with finance and investing and financial planning, the best decision that I make for my clients 
may not work out the best based on what happens in the markets. Stock markets go up and down and I'm going to be prudent and focus on risk and focus on diversification and focus on goals. But in the short term, it may not work out, right? We made a good decision. It didn't give you the best results. So for our organization, we need to evaluate that. Good decision doesn't always mean the preferred results um, due to the imperfect nature of the world, like I said, but we can really focus on the process that we make which will improve the percentage of successful results into the future if we get that right. And this could be, you know, what's our manufacturing process to produce widgets? Well, we need to increase our quality control by reducing the number of defects in that product. Right? You're always going to have a defect. There's no, no such thing as perfection, but the process is what's going to mitigate that. And you can apply that to, to basically anything when your team has has a process, evaluating the process itself separately than the results. Yeah, I, I'm going to give everybody a very practical example. Let's say you're a batter for the Atlanta Braves. You know, you work the count well, your stance is perfect, your hand eye, your, your bat speed is perfect, you've studied the pitcher, everything's great and you hit just a laser line drive. Well, somebody just happened to be standing right in front of it mm -hmm. and you committed an out. Mm -hmm. Your process was perfect. Your result was just not. But if you keep doing that in the future, you're probably going to be an all-star player. And if you do it long enough, you're probably going to go to the Hall of Fame. That's right. Yeah. And and that that is that that is so important, especially for young leaders to know. Don't become quote unquote a master of the result. Become a master of the process. Make sure your process is accurate. And if so, you'll eventually get the results that you're looking for. Um, the young okay. leaders, Jeff, I don't know if you see it. They'll try something for a little bit. It doesn't work. They're on to the next thing for a little bit. It doesn't work. They go to the next thing. Mm -hmm. Find you a find you the right process and stick with it through the highs and lows, and you'll be very happy by the cumulative result. Yeah, what a great example. And in sports, we call it mechanics. So it could be free throw shooting. If you get yeah. your mechanics right, you're never going to make all your free throws, but you could probably bring your free throw percentage from 70 to 90%. That's exactly it. Um, and so I have a bonus one. So there's a kind of tangentially related corollary to all this. And so this is this is the bonus application here. Um, and that's developing a skill set all the way to expertise. So we hinted at this earlier, but here's what that means. So we all know the uh, 10,000 hour rule that was made popular by Malcolm Gladwell in his book, Outliers. Uh, but the nuance there that was sort of lost in that book specifically is that the 10,000 hours needs to be of deliberate practice. Okay, deliberate practice means there's a feedback mechanism. It means that it's difficult. It means that you're practicing something that you can't yet do, so it's hard. Uh, and what that means is that it stretches you. So for this one, there's a Harvard Business Review article from 2007 called The Making of an Expert. Um, and some of the quotes here are, it entails considerable, specific, and sustained efforts to do something you can't do well. And I would add that you can't do well quite yet. That article said consistently and overwhelmingly, the evidence showed that experts are always made, not born. 
And then lastly, and here's sort of the exclamation point, it takes time to become an expert. Even the most gifted performers need a minimum of 10 years of intense training before they win international competitions. So how does this all together, uh, tie together? If we apply a growth mindset, which we know is providing our feedback towards the process itself, well, then that makes it a lot more conducive or a lot easier, a lot more efficient to focus on the process of challenging deliberate practice over a long period of time with continued progress to make us experts. Here are a couple of examples. You know, we talked about sports. I think a good example is the game of golf. I play golf a few times a year, but, you know, and I consider myself not a great golfer. But the truth of the matter is I don't yet take lessons and I don't go and work on the bare minimum mechanics every single day. So am I a bad golfer or do I just not work on it, right? If I wanted to be an expert in golf, that's what it would take. And then in terms of groups or organizations that have achieved that level of expertise because they've done 10,000 hours of, of effective, uh, intense training, I would say a ranger unit conducting a combat operation. Their training is so intense that when they get into combat, they've already gone through all the challenges, right? And yeah. it takes a while to become a ranger and it takes a while to do all those things. I think of a fire department responding to a fire, those are complex, complex scenarios sometimes where you got to think on your feet and that sort of thing. And it was all the practice of that unit, everything from receiving the call to getting onto the truck, to driving down there, to pulling out the equipment. Um, I would think of a church producing a service or a ministry. What are we doing to actually practice our improvement when it comes to either the service format or the worship or a speaker at all, developing speaking skills, that sort of thing. Yeah. So to tie it all together with a growth mindset, we can be an expert both individually and organizationally because we know that the feedback tied to the effort is both what motivates and delivers higher success in the future and also develops skills into expertise. Yeah, you know, um, church leadership is is a tough one. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll just pick a church me and Jeff are both familiar with no, not picking them for any other reason, just except Jeff and I are both familiar. So they have a mission statement. We exist to show God's love in such a way that people will exchange ordinary living for an extraordinary life through the transforming power of Jesus Christ. A good feedback loop for that would be, an event is put on, a service is put on, something of that nature. Someone in the building needs to say, did anybody, we existed to show God's love by putting on this event, putting on mm -hmm. this service, doing this thing. Did anybody actually exchange ordinary living for an extraordinary life through a transforming power of Jesus Christ? Now, you don't ask that to put people on trial or catch them off guard or put them in the corner. You ask that question because it creates the feedback loop. And then you say, okay, where along the way could we have had a growth mindset and improve in some areas so that that could happen? So let's say you're in business. So Jeff, do you have a mission statement for your business? I do. I don't have it memorized, so I can pull it up here in a second, but go on. 
in the meantime. Yeah. So your mission statement is going to have a bottom line measuring factor at the end of it. You know, like we exist to show value or help people live a thriving life financially or something like that. Someone has to ask the question, are our people thriving financially? If the answer to that is yes, well, you need to do a positive autopsy and give a feedback loop to that. Okay, what are our strengths? What do we need to build on? How can we get better? If they're not thriving financially, well, why not? Let's improve that. Nobody's going to lose their job. Nobody. We just need some feedback loops so that we can have a growth mindset. And the challenge, the challenge is moving people from identity to a learning growth mindset, like you said. Mm -hmm. That when we give feedback, it's we're not attacking the identity. Yeah, we're actually enhancing the learning and the growth. Yeah, and and those results. So whether it's you know someone, you know, someone who who makes that exchange to from ordinary living to extraordinary life um, is a is a result of the process of the mechanism. So quite basically, my company's uh, mission statement is our mission is to empower people to succeed. So we could say, hey, are people succeeding? But in this conversation, what I'm focusing on is the process of empowering. Because if I say, hey, here's a stock, go buy it, and I'll never talk to you again, I'm not empowering them with anything. They may be successful. They probably won't because there's not enough context involved. So what am I doing to actually empower people for success? I'm educating them on how their behaviors can influence their financial situation. I'm educating them on proper investment philosophies and portfolio construction and things like that. I'm, um, you know, a lot of it is educating and investing in them and then executing some of the things and the strategies and tax things for them. Um, but in the context of this, so back to the church example, I'd say, okay, if we put on an event, we need to be aware of how many people made the exchange. And then we need to go back and say, Hey, of, of the different components of this event, the music, the food, the invitation how can we improve the process that we did to do those because if it's someone walking up on the stage and just winging an invitation well maybe we need to do some research as to what what uh, invitations work well and then that that pastor preacher servant whoever it is spends time practicing those different methods so it's about finding methods that we don't always use to improve what we already do yeah, and it's very nuanced, and you do need to ask the second and third questions and get below, you know, get mm-hmm. underneath the hood really well. But like you said, Jeff, I loved your example. You know, if we do all the proper empowering components, success, the market will go up and down, but the success is a given if we do everything in the empowering properly. That's right, yep. Yeah, I mean, just look, here's the deal. Uh, and, and I said it at the beginning. Most leaders don't think this way. They are so results oriented or so bottom line oriented. And you don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, Jeff, you got to make a profit and your mm-hmm. your clients have to succeed. Yep. Otherwise, you don't get to continue to empower people to succeed in the future. Okay, that's right. So you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but the focus on the empowerment is the key. Um, 
Yeah, uh, I'll, share, just, I'll, I'll share another process, a real life process example. So we come across plenty of, uh, I don't like the word, but you know, plenty of what we would call prospects, folks that might be clients, right? So that we have a series of kind of calls and meetings that we have with folks to both evaluate how we can help them. They're trying to decide if they want to hire us, thing, things like that. So my business partner and I, you know, periodically we'll have a conversation of like, hey, how do we improve this process? The first meeting should be, you know, X, Y, Z is what we talk about and that's it. We call it a, a doctor philosophy. So the first call or two, we're simply diagnosing, we're not prescribing. This is part of our process. Then we learn more about the people and then we'll start making prescriptions and all that sort of stuff, obviously financially. But there are times we could say, hey, that second or third call went way too long. We got way too, you know, detail oriented. We lost them or, you know, they were saying they needed X and we started trying to guide them towards Y and they felt like they weren't being heard. These are things that we can improve the process. So we're always improving the process. Now, yeah. what we can't control is what's going on in someone's mind, whether they like me, whether they don't like me, whether they're talking to other advisors or whether they don't want to pay for advice or whether they don't want to hire someone those things are out of our control. So all I can do is improve my process of communicating how we empower people and showing some value there. And if they're the right fit, they opt in. But I can't brainwash them or, or choose them. So there's always an element of, hey, our hit rate is increasing or de decreasing or how many folks are we bringing in and how much revenue. Um, but where the rubber meets the road for a service business particularly is what's your process of communicating the value that you provide such that people will want that value. Yeah. Well, Jeff, this has been unbelievable. Um, you know, to begin wrapping this up, we normally share three things we've learned. And I think you shared probably about 10 things you learned just then. Yeah. I'll share one which supports what you said and is a key element in something I've recently learned. Okay. And it's from a guy named Dr. Gio uh, Valiante. So he's a sports psychologist, performance coach in the world of golf. Uh, but he also does uh, works with investors like yourself. Mm -hmm. And I, he noticed a tremendous amount of parallels. And I learned this from him, five things five ways that you win individually and collectively as a team, either athletic team, business. Okay. Number one is talent. And I won't hit these really, really long just due to time, but you hear it a lot of times in sports. Hey, our guy's just better than your guy. Okay. Yeah. All right. So sometimes you've just got more talent than the other team, bigger, stronger, faster, smarter. You're just better. But what happens if the talent is comparable? The second way you win is hard work, your work ethic. Okay. So, you know, bottom line, work ethic does two things. It's the differentiator. So if somebody is more talented than you are, okay, it helps you catch up. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. The John Gordon statement. But if you're, if you're even, and one team works harder than the other, or you work harder than somebody else, that's that's a winning formula. But what happens if your talent and hard work are comparable? Well, then there's a thing he calls differentiation. It's just how you see the world. 
And Jeff, you covered, I, I mean, this was a great lesson on how you see the world. Do you see the world as a growth mindset or a fixed mindset? Mm -hmm. The person with the growth mindset is going to say, look, we can always get better. Okay. We can always improve. There's just something, you know, nobody's perfect till they get to heaven. Let's keep working on it. Versus a team that says, okay, we've arrived. Okay. We've been here 20 years. We know what we're doing. Okay. Yeah. The, the the way you view the world, the differentiation is is gonna is gonna give you the victory. Well, what happens if the talent, the work ethic, and the differentiation are all comparable? And this is number four where you come in. People who have a a it's discipline, a radical religious commitment to their process. If there if there is not if this is the hedgehog principle. You know, mm -hmm. from Jim Collins, I, th this is just we will not be moved off our process. Mm -hmm. We are relentless in how we prepare. This would be the Rangers. Yeah. Yeah. OK, you've practiced it so much you can't get it wrong. Yeah. Your muscle memory is to a point it will not allow you to fail. Um, this this is the fourth thing that allows teams to win. And that's what you've been talking about. The feedback loops the getting better, the relentless pursuit of improvement, the process, the effort, things of that nature. And if all four of those things are even, the fifth differentiator on how you win is you just hire the right people to get you over the hump. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, if you hire the right people, they'll compensate for where you're not winning in any of those four areas. But if you're going to win in any competitive environment, sales, teams, athletics, business, uh, you're going to win in one of those five areas. And Jeff, you gave us a masterclass today on number four, well, really number three and number four, the differentiation and the discipline in the process. Well, I appreciate it, everyone. I hope you take something out of it as, way, uh, as well. Also, and as I mentioned, I'll, I'll post links to some of the articles I referenced um, so take it, go improve, uh, praise the process, praise the effort, and remember, serve others not as a task, but as a purpose.